Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Open your Bibles to Matthew, if you would. Matthew's Gospel and the 22nd chapter. I wanted to end this month on a subject, on the subject of love. I actually titled this message, What, what Does Love Look Like? And uh, if you've been a Christian uh, a certain period of time, you know that sometimes uh, re- relationships can be challenging. And that subject of love becomes distorted. And then we uh, kind of forget how we're supposed to be or how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to act being Christians. How many Christians do we have here today? Amen. And I, I, I trust that you are. Hallelujah. Now, in the Bible... The Bible has a lot to say about love. I mean, the whole, the whole Bible is a love story about God uh, um, making a way to, uh, to restore a fallen humanity back to himself. There are actually four Greek words in the Bible for love, and I'll give them to you, though I'm not teaching on them. The, there's, there's a love called storge. It's uh, S-T-O-R-G-E. And it's actually, there's another word called familia. And, and the Greek word for storge is, is um, uh, that Greek word means it, natural affection. Uh, uh, it actually, it's an affection between uh, parents to children, children to parents. Then there's a, uh, something called phileo or philia love. And it's the love expressed between good friends. Then there's eros love. Eros is the sexual love between a husband and a wife. And then there's agape love, which is the God kind of love. Now, John, 1 John, the fifth chapter, um, uh, excuse me, the fourth chapter, verse 8 says, God is love. Uh, his nature is love. Uh, that's why sometimes human love, uh, I mean, human understanding, it, it, it just has short circuits when it comes about God's love because God loves unconditionally. Everybody shout amen if you believe that. His love far exceeds the boundaries of human understanding. It really does. Human love is all about self. God's love is always about others. And um, uh, God's love uh, it provides the means to which, um, uh, the means to which uh, to repair us as people, spiritually, physically, emotionally, socially. Um, uh, most of us, um, uh, probably everybody here was raised in somewhat dysfunctional type environments when you were ra- uh, being raised. And so those, those uh, dysfunctional uh, influences in your life uh, influenced you, uh, probably negative areas, and, and here comes God's love along, God accepting you as you are as a person uh, so that he could bring salvation to your, to your heart, to your life, so that you become like him. Now, in Matthew's Gospel, the 22nd chapter, we read this a couple weeks ago. Uh, two weeks ago, I shared, on, uh, I shared on love a little bit, but I was really disheartened when I finished because I, I felt I didn't get where I needed to go. And so um, I'm going to get there this morning. In Matthew 22, verse 35, let's read this. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
And two weeks ago I said that, that uh, the, these two laws, they are intertwined, meaning they work in perfect harmony, meaning you, you can't have one without the other. It's impossible for one to work without the other. It's Christ's love for you that enables, enables you to love your neighbor. And it's Christ's love, um, it's your love for Christ that empowers you to love as he loves. How many believe that God loves you today? Raise your hand if you, you know, Amen. And yet, yet, when it comes to our personal experience with God in our daily walk, um, sometimes uh, uh, we, we have a hard time believing that He loves us even though we believe He loves others. But when you accept Christ in your heart and you, you receive something called sonship, um, God loves you, but He loves you enough to discipline you. He loves you enough to correct you. He loves you enough to instruct you on the right ways to live, the right ways to act so that you can be a blessing in your life and represent him uh, as far as his kingdom is. Now, in the Luke's gospel, we're going to go to Luke's gospel. In Luke, the 10th chapter, uh, Jesus shares this same story. However, he adds a parable uh, that e exemplifies God's love in motion. So this is Luke 10, 25. It says, and then a certain lawyer arose to try and tempt him, to test him, saying, this is the Amplified, Teacher, what am I to do to inherit everlasting life? That is to partake of eternal salvation in the Messiah's kingdom. And Jesus entered him, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Now, obviously this man was a Jew. And, and then he replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live in joy Active, blessed, endless life in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? So he gives, he gives again, the same story. And uh, uh, I wrote this down because it's a saying somebody quoted me one time. It says, while we judge others by their actions, we judge ourselves by our good intentions. Is that true? Absolutely. And God is not pleased with that. Verse 29 and he, the lawyer, determined to acquit himself of reproach, said unto Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus, taking up, replied, a, and then he tells this parable. A certain man was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him of his clothes and belongings and beat him and went their way, I look, this interesting word, unconcernedly, unconcernedly. Not concerning about, the, about the, the, the act of violence that they just committed. Uh, and that reminded me, and I wrote this down, of Isaiah 53, and I want to read it to you. Verse 2. It says, For the servant of God grew up before him like a tender plant, like a root out of a dry ground. He, had, he has no form or com comeliness, royal or kingly pomp, that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised, rejected, and forsaken by men, a man of sorrows and pains, and acquainted with grief and sickness. And like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. Watch this. And we, sinners, did not appreciate his worth, or did we have any esteem for him. But surely he, that's Jesus, has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, weaknesses, and distress. Amen, hallelujah, and has carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our uh, guilt and iniquities. 
the chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being uh, uh, for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Lift a hand and give him praise. Thank you, God of heaven. Then he goes on and says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid, made to light upon him the guilt and iniquity of us all. So this right here is the greatest example of love in human history. That God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, which we'll be celebrating not too, in the, not too long, uh, future uh, in, in, in April for Easter. So here in Luke's gospel, Jesus was decreeing what his mission was. Now listen, I'm going to go through this now. In this, see, we think by reading this, um, well, well, I want to read the rest of the story first of what happened here. Um, let me read this first. Jesus was decreeing what his mission was and, and, and the love heaven was willing to provide to fix the sin problem lodged deeper than the human heart. So a certain man went, uh, was going from Jerusalem, Jerusalem is the heavenly city, down to Jericho, down to Jericho is a type of the world of wickedness. Okay, so this is a spiritual story of what Jesus did for us. Jesus is rehearsing what he was going to do for us when he went to the cross. Let's go on. And, and he fell. That word fell there actually means he was surrounded by. In the Greek it means he was surrounded by robbers who stripped him of his clothes. And, 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 um, and that means he, they stripped him of his righteousness and belongings and beat him and went their way unconcernedly, leaving him half dead as it happened. So he was alive physically, you know, but on the cross he died spiritually. He separated just like we were. We, when Adam sinned, he lived physically, but he died spiritually. When Jesus went to the cross, yes, he gave up his body. He did by, by, die physically, but before he died physically, he first had to die spiritually. Because spiritual death is the father of physical death. So this is a story of what he did uh, for us on the cross. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 21. that says, God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. How many believe you've been made right with God through Christ Jesus? Amen. Amen. We have been. Isaiah 61, verse 10 through 11 says this. Uh, the prophet said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. Uh, my soul shall be joyful in my God. Watch this. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. Before all nations. That's what he did. He went to the cross to die for the sins of all nations, all cultures, all, all, all ethnicities, every Every part of mankind Jesus went to the cross for to, to um, um, procure, to pay for the sins of mankind. Verse 32 of Luke 10. Now by coincidence, and I think this is interesting, is the Amplified. By coincidence, by coincidence, here's a man laying there half dead. By coincidence, or the King James says chance, a certain priest was going down along that road. And by chance, not by the leading of the Spirit, but by chance, a priest, a religious person, okay, 
uh, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And a Levite, aha, a Levite. Now, this is a Jewish priest. He, he, he's been, he was specifically called to represent the love and compassion of God. Likewise came down to the same place and saw him and passed by on the other side of the road, right? Didn't fulfill his, his, his um, calling of being compassionate and loving. See, there's no compassion and love without Christ in your life. You understand that? Christ has to be in your life if you're going to have the compassion and love of God. And so the Bible says, but a certain Samaritan, as he traveled, came, uh, came down to where he was. See, as sinners, we could not reach up high enough to get a hold of God. So God came down to our level to get a hold of us. Is that awesome or what? I mean, I just want you to see. I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I, I've told you this time and time again. I've been saved for 40, uh, 46 years. Uh, I've been, uh, uh, and, and guess what? I constantly, I constantly, if not daily, weekly, I'm overwhelmed with thanksgiving to God for what he did for me, the price he paid for us. Can I have an amen? amen. I am. Praise God. So he came down from heaven for us. Romans 5 says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended, that word means exhibited, uh, his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Lord. Back to Luke, verse 33, Luke 10. But a certain Samaritan, as he traveled, came down to where he was. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity and sympathy for him. And he went to him and dressed his wounds, pouring in, pouring on them the oil. The oil means it's the balm, uh, the healing balm of the Holy Spirit. And wine, which was in that, those days was a disinfectant. Then he sat, set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And I wanted to get to this point last week, and I didn't. This was not, right here, this is not the origin. This is not where the welfare system originated from. This, wasn't, this was not a call on a believer to go out in the streets uh, and, and feed uh, poor people. Yes, of course, you know, uh, we, we have, I mean, I'm sorry, for most cases, there shouldn't be anybody on the streets in America. Many, of my, many people are on the streets because they choose to be, to be there. Many are. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but they are. Uh, we have a, you know, a system, a welfare system, where you can just about get anything that you need today. But God doesn't want you living on welfare. He wants you living on his fare. He wants you to live on his, in his supernatural provision. God will be unjust to provide for me and not for you as a believer. And he is faithful. Praise God. But I want you to see this story. So anyway, this was not a welfare, uh, where welfare, welfare originated. Um, it, 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 it was Jesus rehearsing why he came to earth. He came to earth because he saw us wounded. But for us to be healed of our wounds, he had to take on our wounds. So this is what this whole story is about. In the 39 months of ministry, every miracle he performed, he was preparing people for their eternal destiny. I told you that. I, tell, I share this at funerals. When people die, people heal people. Excuse me, people, Jesus raised people from the dead only to have them die again. 
Being raised from the dead is wonderful, but if you're raised from the dead and didn't accept Christ in your heart, would you agree you wouldn't make it to heaven? So what a worthless, what a worthless deed. And so there's a reason, his purpose, he was preparing people for eternity. So he looked at us through the eyes of love and came to where we were so that we could ultimately get to where he is. And he's seated at the right hand of God. Amen? And that's where we're heading for one day. Now, watch this. Verse 35. And the next day he took out two denarii. Amen. Well, first of all, he set him on his own beast, and he brought him to the inn and took care of him. Well, watch this. And the next day he took out two denarii. That's two days' wages. What does this mean spiritually? 1 Peter 3.8 says one day is... is one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Which means just two days ago, Jesus, just two days ago, Jesus died on the cross. Get that in your thinking. How many agree with me if just two days ago, just two days ago, you fell and broke your arm, your leg, that if it was just happened two days ago, it is to be very real, and still you'd be touched with the feeling of that crisis. Come on. See, see, this is what, that's why he loves it. He loves us. He feels everything that we deal with in our lives. Says he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities, Hebrews, the fourth chapter. And so he, just two days ago, died on the cross. Two days ago. Exactly what he's talking about here. So he goes on and says this. And the next day, oh, then it says, then he says the next day he took out two denarii, that's two days' wages, gave them to the innkeeper. The innkeeper is the Holy Spirit. He is the innkeeper. He gave to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I myself will repay you when I return. Which of these three do you think proved himself a neighbor to him who fell among the robbers? And he answered, well, the one who showed pity and mercy to him. And Jesus said to him, well, go and do likewise. How many believe here today that God has been unbelievably loving and merciful to you since you've been saved? Unbelievable. Even if you young people have been saved for a short period of time, you recognize that. Amen. So, what does love look like? Turn to Matthew 18. We'll read it. And then we're going to wind up here. Matthew 18. We'll see what love looks like. Wow. Size verse 18. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Now again, study the Bible in context and you'll never get off. This scripture here, this scripture here, it has everything to do with chapter 18, verse 1. It's all talking about the relational side of life. Whatever you allow on earth is allowed in heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth is forbidden in heaven. Amen. You make that decision. Now, let's read it. Verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Obviously, Peter connected with this story. Because he starts out the story talking about, woe unto you that caused one of these little ones that believe in me to stumble. He said, my good, you better, there are four divine virtues that's in the Amplified. 
Four divine virtues that are, in, that are right now are living in the life of little Logan Ray, living in the life of little Apollo Michael. All the little babies that we've had recently, there are four divine virtues that are alive on the inside of him, uh, them, and that is uh, humility, love, forgiveness, and trust. They're in there. They're alive. And God wants saying, and I want you as a parent, you, you, you now, just add, just strengthen that, strengthen those virtues and keep your life faithful to me. Stay in love, stay in unity, stay in forgiveness. Praise God. As you do that, those things will grow in that child's life. That's what he's talking about. Peter said, how often should I forgive? Till seven times? And Jesus said, well, I say unto you, until seven, not seven times, but until 70 times seven. That's 490 times per transgression. How many would agree with me that if you transgressed 491 times, you'd want God to have exceeded the 490? Come on. You'd want that. No, I'm serious. You'd want that. You'd want the 491. Let's go on. So here's what love looks like. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. I was looking at different translations. Some said millions. Some said hundreds of thousands. You know, He owed a boatload of money. And so the Bible says, and, and, uh, and for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold. Watch this to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. Listen, your debts, whether it is unforgiveness, whether it is faithfulness, whether it is pride, those, those will affect your whole entire family. Years ago, we had a family here that they came to me and they said, you know, Pastor, one thing we really deal with, and it's really been difficult to overcome, is offense. My parents were always offended, and now we all were always offended. Guess what? It wasn't long they got offended, and they're no longer here. But you know what the sad thing about that? That offense is going to go right down into their children. And their children, have, their children are going to suffer the consequences of their parents' rebellion, their parents' pride. I mean, we've got to take these things so serious. So what does love look like? So the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. The truth is he couldn't pay it. It was too deep. The interest alone he couldn't pay. And then the Lord of that servant, watch this, was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went down and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what thou owest. First of all, I want to recognize that the, the, the master was moved with the compassion. Would you agree that's the love of God in action? And the Bible said he wouldn't have to. He could have, he could have forgiven him of some of the debt, a small percentage of the debt. Okay, half the debt. Now, you put me through enough. So I'll forgive you half, but you're going to pay the other. No, he released. This is the love of God in motion. He released it all. How many have experienced God's uh, debt release in your life with regarding forgiveness? It's just nothing like it. There's nothing like being forgiven by God. Amen.
but that'll be determined by you. So the Bible says he found, his, he, he found a friend, of, went out and found a friend that owed him $20, and he grabbed him by the throat and said, you pay me off. You don't pay me, I'm going to catch you into prison. The Bible says this fellow servant fell down at his feet and said, please have patience with me, and I will pay thee all, and he could have paid it. And he would not. He refused. And they cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told uh, uh, unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, Oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. I've had so much forgiven of me in my life that I absolutely cannot. I refuse not to forgive people. I refuse to yield to that stupidity and hold on to things. I refuse it. I let it go. Got to. Husband and wife, you've got to let things go. You can't keep regurgitating your spouse's transgressions because it will not have a good outcome. The Bible says, the Lord, verse 32, after he had called him, said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And as Lord was wroth and delivered him into the tormentors, he delivered them to the tormentors. Who is the greatest tormentor? Anybody know? Satan. Tormentors, a flock of demons. I don't know if you want to live with a flock of demons. I don't. And he said, he, uh, till all should be paid, so likewise, watch this, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother's transgressions. If, I'm telling you, we see a picture of love, and yet we see a picture of a fool. Not recognizing just how great, how great compassion that this master had on him. If we could practice that, listen, if the body of Christ would just practice that, the churches in Sioux Falls would be filled to the, I mean, filled. Every week we couldn't keep the people, we couldn't contain all the people that would come if people would just practice that law of love. Love is not, God, jeepers, you know, Jesus said, if you, just, if you love those who love you, you're no greater than the sinner because the sinner does that. Love is only valued by its degree, by its measure. We got to keep loving. Got to keep forgiving. It is the Christian way. Can I have an amen? amen. This is God's love in motion. Now, again, I'm running out of time, but read 1 Corinthians 13. Read it, because it defines the love of God, what the love of God is all about. Hallelujah. Can I take five minutes to read, read it? All right, 1 Corinthians 13, put it up there. I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but if I didn't have love, that's, a, that's agape. If I didn't love others... I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood of all God's secret plans possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I, if I didn't love or agape lo others, I would have gained nothing. And verse 13 goes on to say, this is the last verse, the, uh, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, uh, and the greatest of these is love. So the subject matter of the whole chapter of 13, verse 1 to 13, is love. Right in between that, let's read. And I added, I, added, I added some phrases in this for you to capture what Paul was writing to when it comes to God's love. God's love is patient and kind. His love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. Thank God God, God, God doesn't keep no record of, his, of your wrongs. Quran says this, it does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love, agape love, never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures, it endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, and this, this is what I've added now, will become useless without God's love in action. But, but love, God's love in action, will last forever. Now, now what? Until the love walk is perfected in us, our knowledge is partial and complete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture when love is absent. But when, but, uh, but when full understanding of God's love comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, Paul said, I spoke and I thought and I reasoned as a child. It was all about me. But when I grew up, and I put it here, accepting the responsibility to love as God loves, I put away childly things. Life, I mean, life is no longer about me. Now, verse 12, and now, now what? Until God's love is perfected within, we see things imperfectly as in a cloudy mirror. But then, when God's love becomes first and foremost in our lives, we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and complete. But then when my love walk matures, I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Is that powerful? See, God knows you completely, but he chooses to love you till you become complete. Did you hear me? God loves you completely, and he's willing to love you till you become complete. There would never be a divorce if husbands and wives practice this, never. Do you know why? King James says, love never fails. fails. Amen, thank you, Lord. What does love look like? Love looks like how Jesus treats you. Love looks like what he's taught there in Corinthians, what he taught there in Matthew 18. Amen. See, you can bind. Jesus said there earlier in Matthew 18, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. You can bind someone's transgression to them, but it's not going to benefit you. Or you can loose it, so it benefits both of you. There's many people through the years hold on to things. They do. They hold on to things, you know. And that person that actually did transgress against them went to God, repented, and has already been restored to God, but you are being cheated of God's best because you're holding on to it. God's love never fails.
Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.